The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. from Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. If you'd like to join in the discussion, email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm or call into the program with your questions. Now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host, and I want to thank all of you for listening with us today. We're very glad that you are tuned in, and we know that you know you can listen to Spirit of Recovery in a variety of ways. You can listen with us live on unity.fm. You can listen live on your mobile device, and you can also listen um, both on your computer, on your mobile device, to the archives 24-7 by going to www.unity.fm backslash program backslash spirit of recovery. Um, also, uh, we're glad to take your calls and your emails during the program for our guests, and uh, they can respond to those. Thanks for telling your friends and the people in your recovery community and your spiritual community about the spirit of recovery. And also thanks for posting on our Facebook page and for liking Spirit of Recovery on Facebook. Um, That is wonderful and helps us to get the word out. I love broadcasting on the topic of recovery here on Unity Online Radio. And I'm very glad to know that what we're doing here is making a difference for you in your spiritual growth. I'm always bringing you guests that have a lot to share with you, people that are really living their spirituality. My guests are always people that are practical, that are down to earth, that are either in recovery themselves or write for recovering people or teach or work with recovering people and a lot of times all of the above. They're always bringing you practical information that inspires you, that gets you thinking and gets you moving even uh, more deeply into that relationship with your own spiritual life. We want you to know as well that Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place. We understand that the concept of recovery is a large one, and there's room for everybody. So if you're a person that's in recovery for any kind of an addiction, or if you're a family member that's in your own recovery as a family member, or you're a family member or friend of someone that has the disease of addiction, whether or not that person's in recovery, or if you're simply somebody that's curious, that's interested, wants to know more about the process of recovery, we welcome you here um, as a listener and a participant on the Spirit of Recovery. Again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I am a Unity Minister and an Addictions Counselor. Also, I'm a person who has in my own circle of love and friendship many people with the disease of addiction, and those relationships got me started on my own active path of personal growth and recovery and spiritual development many years ago. And ever since then, my walk has been an integration of the unity principles, recovery principles, and that keeps me uh, growing, keeps richly transforming my life, and invites me into service. So again, I'm very grateful, very delighted to have the opportunity to share the wonderful guests that we have here on Spirit of Recovery with you and to share these spiritual experiences and concepts. So today we have uh, another great guest 
My guest is Tom Catton, and our topic today is loving life to the fullest, because that's what Tom does. Um, Tom is a person who knows that the disease of addiction can either be a fast road to despair and ruin, or it can be an astounding gift of grace. And he has definitely moved in the direction of uh, recovery being a gift of grace, uh, recovery from the disease of addiction. Tom uh, was a child of the 60s, and he has uh, written a book about that, but a lot less about all the things that happened during his active addiction and a lot more about what's happened since then, a lot more about how it is that he has indeed become a mindful addict. And that's the title of Tom's book, The Mindful Addict, A Memoir of the Awakening of a Spirit. And in that book, Tom shares how over 40 years in recovery has opened him up to an adventurous life that's grounded in saying yes to the leading of spirit. And Tom uh, journeys within his own life and into a life of service through a very committed meditation practice and um, through uh, the gift of sharing that meditation practice and all that comes from it with many other people. He's been in recovery since 1971. Um, His story does appear in a 12-step fellowship recovery book that has more than 7 million copies in circulation around the world. And he's frequently invited to speak in the U.S. and internationally to people in recovery. Um, He is on the advisory board of the Buddhist Recovery Network, and he teaches a Buddhist recovery meditation group in Hawaii where he currently lives. So, Tom, thank you for being my guest today on Spirit of Recovery. Thank you, Anna, and aloha to all the listeners, and I really appreciate sitting with you here and discussing this beautiful topic of meditation and guidance. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Tell us a bit about how you got started on your spiritual path. You have an interesting uh, story about that. You were really spiritually uh, interested before you got in recovery. How did you get on the spiritual path? Yeah, uh, well, coming from the 60s, and, you know, I turned 16 in 1960, so I really was a child of the 60s. And um, as we know, the Eastern religions, philosophy started coming to the U.S., uh, you know, even before that, but it was a big thing in the 60s. So basically what happened to me is, and I was, you know, started using in 59, really, but... um, uh, in 1966, I read the book, The Autobiography of a Yogi, by Paramahansa Yogananda. Now, that book touched something inside of me, and I knew there was something better than what I was doing, and I became very interested in meditation through reading that book, and I started my meditation practice in 1966. Now, the trouble is I was still using then, so... Uh, obviously, it wasn't working as well as it could, <laughs> and uh, I was even initiated into transcendental meditation with Maharishi in around '67, and uh, so it was very much a part of my life before I found the rooms, the twelve-step rooms. And I might add that it was kind of a uh, uh, very unusual way I ended up in the program. I was, like I said, very much into meditation, and I was using a lot of drugs. And, and all, by the way, you did mention my book. Hardly, I mean, the first chapter or two just kind of lays the groundwork, and the whole book is about my adventures in recovery. And what happened is in 1968, I was living on in a little house uh, right on the beach almost, just about a house or two removed from the sand. And there was a four-bedroom uh, beach house uh, that was right in front of mine that was right on the ocean there, and it was empty. And one day a very strange lady appeared and moved in, uh, and there was kind of a buzz going around the neighborhood. Well, what happened, Anna and listeners, is that this woman at that time was in the 12-step fellowship. Uh, This was 1968, and she actually was living at that time about 40 miles from where... And um, 
she was she was somebody that meditated every day uh, for long periods at a time. Every morning she meditated a couple of hours every morning, and she would get direct guidance. She had the kind of spiritual awakening. Uh, in 1962 that we've read about that Bill Wilson had where the whole, the, the whole universe turned to pure white light and she just was filled with divine love. And from that day on, she just gave herself to the, to the, to the 12 steps and she would meditate every morning and write down her guidance. Well, she was actually led right to this four-bedroom empty house next door to mine. She arrived there early in the morning, reached above the door because she was divinely led there and she knew what to do and she there was the key and she moved in the next day the real estate guy came to show the house and he said what are you doing here and she said god told me to come can you please have the electricity turned on well she was in that house for another six months and i went to my first meeting so that's the way i was introduced to the program and it really went along with the magic of the 60s so right. uh, mm-hmm. yeah so. And then from that time, you uh, you ended up um, eventually uh, getting into recovery and traveling with yeah. uh, her and a group of people. Tell us about that right. again, very well, guided I by spirit. Yeah, so anyway, this guidance stuff was just ongoing. For <laughs> It was such a beautiful adventure, uh, and it still is, by the way. Uh, uh, so I, I bounced in and out. I stayed close to the program. I went to my first meeting in 1968, and that did it. I mean, I found my home, and I knew that I had the disease of addiction. I still, I, but I kept bouncing in and out for a bit. You know, I'd stay clean a couple of weeks, and I'd use, you know, but whatever. So finally, October 20th, 1971, I did was given the gift of recovery, which was a very profound thing that happened because I had been – shooting dope for a solid year and i actually went through no withdrawal symptoms the the you know the i it was a beautiful experience on the beach and i just heard a voice that said you'll never use again and i've never used again and uh but anyway so flo this lady's name was flobert okay uh and i know that sounds weird to the listeners but her real name was florence and after she had the spiritual awakening, she'd go into the rooms of the 12-step meetings and just tell everybody, look at the birds, you know, they, you know, she was just on fire with love. So they started calling her Flo Bird. So anyway, that's how I knew her. And so from that day on, just the way she was guided to that house, that's the way I spent, that was 1968, and Flo Bird left the body in 1978. So for 10 years, I traveled with her. And she, we, we, just from the smallest move to the, to a huge move, just she would get guidance. And when it, when we got guide, when she got guidance, didn't matter if we did, we were just kind of tagging along. And it was a, it was kind of like on the job training is what I call it. You can read about surrender. You can read about, uh, the universe or God taking care of you. You can read all that in all kinds of books. You can hear, People preach it, but to experience it, that's what I call on-the-job training. So we really never had a lot of money, and we would just follow this guidance, and it was just incredible. Uh, just to, I saw Flowbird go around the world two times with no money. You know, and it was pretty <laughs> insane. And there was just such many just adventures. I remember Flowbird and I went to... The Big Island. We were on Oahu, and we went to the Big Island. And some friends put us up in a coffee shack up in the mountains of Captain Cook. And I, in the next morning, I, you know, we had been there a few days, and I was just in bliss. You know, here I was with Flow Bird, and it was just a coffee shack, and we were picking coffee. But I just loved it, you know. And I was sitting there one morning, and out comes Flow Bird from her meditation. She said, "God said, prepare to leave this place." And sometimes that's what she would get: prepare to leave this place. And I said, Flober, do we have to go? I just got so comfortable. And she said, baby, you can stay if you want, but God told me to go. So that afternoon, we didn't even know where we were going. We just got a ride down the hill into Kona. And I'll tell you, uh, this was so beautiful because before that evening, 
we were living in the most gorgeous beach house I have ever lived in. And that, and it just, I, it just, that's how things were with her. Just get a message and you go show up and boom, you know, you, it just, it was beautiful. It was a right. beautiful Right, you know, experience. and the, what strikes me about what, what you uh, write about in your book with all that is that because her primary purpose that she conveyed to you and the other uh, folks that were traveling with her was always the point is to be of service. Tell yeah, us about was, that. What, what's the big deal yes, about I, I was actually service? just going to say that because I really want to add now, I have a lot of cool stories in there with things like that happening, but a, a, a lot of times, it was, in other words, that was the issue, you know, and what I tell people today is if you, you know, we can be sitting in meditation and get guidance, and the way you know sometimes if it's real, is it, if, is it about self or is it about service to others? And if it's about carrying the message, you're probably getting true guidance. And I might add also that... Um, when you get guidance, it doesn't mean that it's always easy to follow. I really want to emphasize that, that it's not always easy. You know, I, I remember, uh, this was long after Flaubert had, had left the body, but I, it, it was about 88 or 89, and I was sitting in my meditation room, and all of a sudden, just like a neon sign, it just lit up, you know, it just said, you're supposed to go to India. And uh, and I just got these goosebumps. I mean, I'd never been to India, and I just got these goosebumps running through me, and then it just said Calcutta. You know, and, and tourists don't go to Calcutta. But I knew that if I was going to India, I was supposed to work with the addicts. And I was told that there was no NA or, I mean, or AA or NA or Al-Anon or Overeaters Anonymous. There was no nothing in Calcutta. But I just went. I showed up. Now, that was one of the hardest trips I've ever been on. And yet, I, it was totally God's will. It was just also phenomenal, the whole trip. And, uh, and I might add that I landed in one of the largest cities in the world. And, um, and I landed at 1.30, and I was about the only what I call westerner to get off the plane it wasn't like a tourist spot calcutta uh and i went to mother Teresa's center right away because i knew i wanted to meet mother Teresa. i knew she was in calcutta and i knew that yogananda's family he was raised in calcutta and i didn't know anything else i just knew i wanted to work with you know get into service with addicts so I went there, and I kept that, and this nun kind of adopted me, took me around, showed me the house of dying and the orphanage where they pick up children off the street. And it was just a very loving thing, but I kept on saying, where are the addicts, where are the addicts? And at the end of the day, she dropped me off at this house. And I walked in, and I met. The, she told me, talk to this lady, June. And I walked in and said, I really, I'm here in Calcutta, and I want to work, I want to carry the message of recovery. And it turned out that in one hour from that time right there, there was a meeting starting right across the street. So it was just like that. I, was, I had only landed there at 1.30. I didn't know what I was doing. I was lost, and I was led right to it. So it was just those kind of things. It was a very hard trip. You know, I got very sick on that trip, and I worked with a lot of people, and it was just it changed my life. I'll tell you, it changed my life, that trip did. Tom, thank you so much. Uh, That's a great story. Wow, Uh, the power of God. It's time for our break. Um, Listeners, stay with us. We'll be right back, and here's some more from my guest, Tom Catton, about uh, being a mindful, prayerful person of service. We'll be right back. You are listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. To support this ministry, go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Your contribution helps us broadcast messages of love and inspiration throughout the world. Hi, this is Ellen Devonport. The Five Principles was my first book, and here's what I've learned as an author. It's nice to sell a lot of books, 
But it's truly gratifying to know the book is being read, used, and studied in churches and small groups in the U.S. and beyond. And I get a real kick out of hearing that someone gave the five principles to friends who aren't in unity. Because the five principles are universal spiritual laws. They operate in everyone's life whether they know it or not. They've been discovered and rediscovered by spiritual masters for thousands of years. God is all there is. We are expressions of God. We create our experience with the power of our thoughts. We align ourselves with the well-being of the universe through prayer and meditation. And we live the truth we know every day in every decision. Just five principles, they cover it all. Buy the book at unity.org. Somewhere, tucked away in the Unity Library archives in Unity Village, Missouri, you can find a secret treasure. They are the scripts from Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore's early days on broadcast radio. The teachings of Unity's founders, almost a hundred years old. Now, for the first time in history, you can hear them through the power of the Internet. Join Bob Brock every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, for Unity Classic Radio, Words from Our Past. Discover the wisdom of Charles Fillmore's talks and of other Unity Radio speakers read on the air again. Call in your comments and questions as Bob and his special guests revisit Unity Radio talks of the past, along with historical background from the early days of the Unity movement. That's Unity Classic Radio, Words from Our Past, every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. You're listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., If you'd like to share your questions, comments, and experience with today's topics, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're very glad that you're listening with us today. And if you're just joining us, our topic today is Loving Life to the Fullest. And my guest is Tom Catton. Tom is the author of The Mindful Addict, a memoir of the awakening of a spirit. And he's sharing with us today how in um, over 40 years of recovery, he has experienced an adventurous life that is grounded in saying yes to spirits leading. And he's uh, sharing with us about his meditation practice, about um, his uh, trusting of his higher power and of all the many ways that that leads him into great opportunities for service. So we're going to be talking some more with Tom in just a moment. But before we get back to that conversation, I invite you to join me in the Serenity Minute. So I invite you to relax, to take a breath, to close your eyes if you would like to. To allow yourself to open up to that awareness that you have so naturally of the presence of your higher power within you and around you, I invite you to share with me this constructive idea. I breathe. I am at peace. I know I am one with the goodness of life. I breathe, I am at peace, I know I am one with the goodness of life, and now we relax for a moment in the quiet. for joining me in the Serenity Minute. And I trust that that did give you a moment of opening up to awareness 
of that love that your higher power is and has for you and that love that you express. And now we're back to my conversation with my guest, Tom Catton. Again, Tom is the author of the book, The Mindful Addict, a memoir of the awakening of a spirit. And we're talking about loving life to the fullest. If you'd like to read more about Tom and his book, you can, of course, Google him. It's Tom, C-A-T-T-O-N, on the Internet, and you'll find um, lots of information. If you're interested in the book, you can go to centralrecoverypress.com. That's centralrecoverypress.com. And, um, of course, you can, you can easily find information about The Mindful Addict, a memoir of the awakening of a spirit there, and probably other places as well on the Internet. So, Tom, before our break, you were telling us a, a wonderful story about being of service, about how it's not always easy, but it's always rewarding. And um, you're also uh, talking in your book about um, the longing for union with God. You know, as, uh, as human beings, we do, we long for things. We long for relationships. We long for success, all of that. And you certainly talk about that. And you uh, talk about how, in the end, it seems like it's really longing for union with God. How does that work? Yes. I mean, that, I mean, my early days... Um well, you just mentioned it, you know, being successful, being in relationships. We all have these longings for that stuff, and, and there's certainly nothing wrong with that. I'm in a very happy, committed marriage. We've been together almost 28 years now, uh, and it just, you know, she's the love of my life. But uh, I also know that it really all the longing really is longing for union within, you know, with the divine power, you know, the force, the God, whatever, the love. That's the only thing that's really, that I have found that's really permanent. Everything else, I mean, you know, everything else goes. I mean, I've been through the mill with bank accounts and relationships before this. You know, things just come and go and they bring us a little bit of happiness. But I think the real longing is, is the divine longing and we just misunderstand it. I mean, even the drugs and alcohol were just I mean, that was really just, you know, our longing to be whole, at least it was for me, to take me out of that separation I felt. So it's just, at the bottom line, I think that's what it is, and that's the only thing that really will fill the emptiness. Mm-hmm. How do we balance that in, as, you know, spiritual beings having a human experience? How do we navigate that divine longing and we're in the world and we have, you know, how do you, how does that work? How do you do that? Well, I think that for me, I've really, you know, I had to go through so much, as you know, you read the book. I mean, I stayed celibate for several years. I had hair down my beard. You know, I thought I was supposed to be a monk and I thought it wasn't, you couldn't have anything nice. And I think as we mature in our spirit, not only in life, but in the program, as we start to develop a lot of years, you know, a, a consecutive uh, recovery, and also just as we mature spiritually completely, we, we, I think that balance comes about okay. And we really, for me, what I've learned, Anna, is that I, 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 everything's in its proper place, I think, in my life now. I know that my spiritual practice is the most important thing. It comes before everything else. And as long as I keep that there, and as long as I keep coming, returning to knowing service to others is what life's really about. You know, see what I mean? That's what my life's really about, the service I do for others. Then... You know, I can work in the community, I can have jobs, I can be in relationships, but I know what's important. And I think what happens is people get sidetracked, and I think all of a sudden we think material success, although it is beautiful to have, let's face it, it's not going to fill the emptiness. So I think we have to come to that understanding, and sometimes it's very difficult. We have to be knocked around, we have to lose things. Anna, I think if people are on the spiritual path, that there will be times when we are stripped and you will be stripped of everything that you're trying to hang on to for your identity. 
You know, that just happens along the spiritual path, and, it, and, and, we ha- and I think it's necessary. You know, for me it has been. Mm-hmm. I've had to lose everything more than once. What happened to you and, when you lost people or, or jobs or, or money or whatever that was important to you? How did you work with that spiritually? Well, it took many years, like I said, but let me say this, that I talk about this in the book, I think, too, is that all of a sudden somewhere I was in my teens of recovery, okay? And, uh, and what I saw is I, 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 in other words, I had something to be, to, to use hindsight on. All of a sudden I had so many years clean and I could think back. In hindsight I saw, wow, some of that stuff I went through that I thought was the end of my life, you know, that life was just over. It was so painful. I could see now, in hindsight, the full picture. And I saw how that incident led me to a new understanding and awakening, and that actually it was very good. So I started saying, nothing bad has ever happened to me, you know, since I've been in recovery. Nothing bad has ever happened to me because... And I can say that right now, even still, and I'm 41 years in recovery, and I have been through cancer. Uh, I have, I've been in a terrible uh, car accident where I had to have two brain surgeries. I, uh, when that happened, I lost a business with 50 employees, and I ended up like a half a million dollars in debt, and I didn't file bankruptcy, uh, you know, because what I did with that, Anna, what I did with that is I remembered that nothing bad has ever happened to me and that everything leads me to something more beautiful. And I really see that my challenges are actually a gift, that they, if I stay clean and I don't use, and I walk through whatever I'm walking through and just embrace it, I come out the other end a more beautiful, more, you know, awakened person. And I'm convinced of that. I'm mm-hmm. just totally convinced that life is for us and not against us. And, and in talking about the devotion to God, so anybody in 12-step recovery knows that in the steps we talk about God as we understand God, okay? And I can definitely tell you now and I arrived at this, this is something that I really come to grips with in the last year. With 41 years of, of steady recovery, I can tell you I have absolutely no understanding of God. None. And I actually think that's okay because I think it's this, it is so powerful that I wouldn't even be able to understand it with my mind. But here's what is true. I have no understanding of God. My God is not a babysitter. I don't think I can pray my way through things or, you know, beg my way. Let's say beg your way through. The 11th step says definitely we pray only for knowledge of God's will for us. And so what I can say is although I have no understanding, I have a very deep faith, a very deep relationship that I'm not sure what's going on in the universe, but I know it's very good. I know something very beautiful, and it's not random that's going on. And I just want to love it and serve it. That's what I know. That's, what, that's all I know. I have no understanding of it anymore. And I'm really comfortable with that. That is a, a wonderful way of, of talking about this, Tom. It's, it's like that devotion. When you're talking about that, I almost feel my own heart open up. It's like that... It, that I think what you're saying is it really is about relationship um, yeah. with God, with the universe, whatever term we right. use. But it is, it's about that relationship and that love. Right. How do you do that? How do you keep your heart open and keep in that or develop that space? Or maybe that's not the right way. I don't know. What do well, you do? No, but what, okay, so what I do is I, I practice my 11th step every day. Now, I have been through... And once again, you'll read it in the book, all the adventures of the last 40 years, starting with Yogananda. And by the way, I just want to plug, you know, if you're interested in the book, the easiest, best place to get it is Amazon. I mean, that's where all the books are. You know, it's been in various bookstores around the country. It's at Central Recovery Press. They're a great publishing company. I love them to death. 
and I'm going to be submitting another book to them soon. But uh, it, the easiest place is Amazon. So anyway, how do I do that is through my practice, okay? And I, and I, and I, I can't tell you when the last time I missed the day of meditation. I mean, I'm not, I have. I, don't, I just don't know when it was. It was that long ago. So I show up every day. It's just what I do. And uh, for the last 20 years, I probably have really adopted the practice of mindfulness. And it just has worked for me better than anything else. And I've been through uh, uh, initiations into other types of meditation that I devoted, one, one of them, three years of study for a certain technique, you know what I mean? And and I'm going to tell you, mindfulness has just touched my heart and opened my heart more than anything is. And mindfulness is just sort of like sitting and being present with whatever life offers, with non, with no judgment connected to it. Whatever comes my way, I try to practice equanimity, meaning that I don't try to label things good or bad. And that's what happened when I was diagnosed with cancer, that I went, oh, my God, you know, for two hours, I was, I'm going to tell you, for two hours after the diagnosis, I was bummed out. I cried. I went, oh, my God, how can the healthiest guy, I've been a vegetarian since 1966, I exercise, I ran 50 miles on my 50th birthday. I mean, I'm a, I'm a healthy dude, you know. And how did I get cancer? But all of a sudden I remembered nothing bad has ever happened, and I embraced it. I didn't run from the experience. I didn't try to change what life was offering me. And that's very important in my practice. So I, just, I have been through the last few years this, this brain uh, this accident where I had that brain surgery was in 2006, and and when that happened, I had to let go of a huge company with 50 employees, and I just had a, you know there was nothing I could do, and because I couldn't even function for most of the year of 2006, but and I didn't file bankruptcy, I just have worked through it, and I'm probably not in the best financial place for a 69 year old, but it's a beautiful place, you know, and. What I've done always is just try to embrace whatever life offers me. You know, it doesn't mean you sit down and get run over, but first, first, before anything can change, I have to embrace it and accept it and not try to fix it. I just have to let it be there. And um, whether it's bliss, you know, whether something very blissful happens, I just try to accept it. I don't try to attach to it and hold on to it. If something so-called bad is happening, I just try to embrace it and let it be there. I don't try to run from it. See, I don't try to hold on to something that I think is going to make me feel good or run from something that I think causes me suffering. So I think that's the, the, the practice of mindfulness, is just sitting and letting, uh, observing my thoughts, of course, not just letting them come and not attaching to them. And it's just a very beautiful technique. Right, and, it's like uh, it, it opens up space. It opens the door. It to opens up space. What can be next? And, yeah, and what we find out is that, you know, it, I speak at a lot of conventions, and one of the things I say immediately is, I know there's people in this room that are hurting. I know there's people in this room going through extreme financial problems or illness or relationship problems. You know, this will bring the, those kind of things just affect the recovery person uh, very uh, uh, a lot. But uh, the point is, there is a way through it. And, and, uh, and the one thing that we really see through the practice of meditation is we get centered and I just let my feelings arise and I, okay, I, I'm sad about this. And that's really, I can be sad about that, but it doesn't mean the rest of my life. I'm sad about maybe money I owe, but you know, the rest of my life is, is, is a blessing. So I can, I don't have to think my life is over. And what we know about in the meditation world is that everybody's got stress and 10% in other words, whatever financial illness, anything you're going through, any big challenges in your life right now, it's okay to feel stress. But only 10% of what you're feeling comes from the actual challenge. The other 90% 
is made up in our heads. In other words, I call it the storyline. We start this whole movie going inside about the outcome of our illness or our financial problem, and we're way off into the future, Anna. And uh, and we're making, in other words, we're making it all up. So 90% of my pain and my stress from a challenge is me making it all up. And so coming back to the moment in meditation really uh, lets you be right here, right now with whatever you're going through. And we can, anybody, we Thank can you, make Tom. it Thank you, Tom. We're going to, it's time for our break. Hang okay. on to that thought. Sorry. Listen, stay with okay. us. We'll be, no, we'll be right back and hear some more about what it does mean to be present in the moment. Stay with us here on Spirit of Recovery. Now and then, life is challenging. I may not welcome challenge itself, but I welcome the opportunity to learn from whatever arises, to grow in understanding, to flex my spiritual muscles. Every day is a new day, a fresh start. No situation or circumstance can hold me back. My life is not only about what's happening to me, it's also what's happening through me. The Christ within is my source of unlimited wisdom and creativity. I do my best when I respond to any challenge from my Christ nature, rather than reacting impulsively from my human nature. Every day I pursue what enriches me, enjoying the journey to my goals as much as the destination. This inspirational message is brought to you by Daily Word. Daily Word. Inspiration and practical teachings to help people of all faiths live healthy, prosperous, and meaningful lives. Give Daily Word to yourself or a friend and give the gift of hope, joy, peace, and encouragement. Order your subscriptions today online at dailyword.com. Are you ready for deeper spiritual breakthroughs? Have you wondered how to apply spiritual principles to your everyday life in practical ways? Do you feel your soul is calling you to deeper purposes? Join Rev. Galen McDowell live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central for Truth Transforms, a discussion on how God within you, as you, is the power to transform your life. If you really believe that consciousness determines your experiences and that you are an individualized expression of God, join us as we help awaken and transform the consciousness of humanity. We will discuss, through lecture, live interviews and call-in questions, spiritual healing, prayer, prosperity, forgiveness, new thought views about eternal life, and much more. The world is waiting for your truth transformation, only on Unity Online Radio. Listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, PhD. If you have a question, comment, or experience with today's topic you'd like to share, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're very glad that you're listening today. And if you're just joining us, our topic is Loving Life to the Fullest. And my guest is Tom Catton. That's Tom, C-A-T-T-O-N. Tom is sharing with us about his practice um, of meditation. He's the author of the book, The Mindful Addict, a memoir of the awakening of a spirit. And that book is available uh, on Amazon.com and lots of places. So uh, The Mindful Addict, a memoir of the awakening of a spirit. And uh, Tom, uh, lives on the beautiful um, uh, in the beautiful state of Hawaii, and he is um, a Buddhist. Uh, has a Buddhist meditation group, and he really practices the presence of God in his life, and follows a life of service, and a life of surrender, and a life of trust. And Tom has discovered that the disease of addiction, when followed into recovery, is actually an astounding gift of grace. And so. Uh, we're back now to my conversation with Tom Catton, and um, 
he was sharing with us, Tom, before the break there about what it, how important it is to be in the present moment and how important it is to have a daily meditation practice. So what do you find from when people are uh, in recovery? Do you find that a lot of people do have a daily practice? Well, um, some yes, and that's what I hold the meditation group for at my house. And we do call it Buddhist recovery, but I might add, I don't really proclaim to be a Buddhist or anything. I'm just a simple recovery guy. But mindfulness comes from the Theravada sect of Buddhism or Vipassana, which is uh, a very big technique. You know, it's, it's this practice of mindfulness. So it's open to anybody. You can be a Christian, a Muslim, anybody, and practice mindfulness. And so that's what my group is about. That, and it's all twelve, all kinds of, all the. I, my, we get fifteen people on Sundays at our house, and they're in all the fellowships, you know. And it's not, and we just we practice a deeper eleventh step. But I am very surprised because uh, I post a lot of stuff on Facebook. I go to conventions. I'm always the Sunday morning speaker, sometimes the Saturday night, but they just know I'm going to talk about meditation no matter what. So I'm always a Sunday morning guy, but I am very, uh, first of all, I'm very happy about how well it's received. I spoke at a world convention in 2003 in front of 10,000 people Sunday morning, and uh, I just, you know, I just couldn't believe how many hearts were open to me talking about this stuff. Uh, just completely open, although so many people come up and say what they call meditation is reading the daily book from your specific program. And I say that's wonderful to sit on the toilet in the morning and read the daily book, but that's not what I'm talking about when I'm talking about meditation. And, or you hear people, and, I, and that's great to do, okay? So first of all, I'm not condemning that at all, and I'm not condemning or belittling it at all, and I and people tell me, well, I go to bed at night and I go, God, thank you for you know keeping me in recovery today, and I wake up in the morning and and ask God to keep me in recovery today, and that's they call that meditation, and that's okay, but I always use the analogy like if you're in a committed relationship with somebody, and all you did every night was when you went to bed, you turned over to your partner and said, thank you so much for being in this relationship with me. And in the morning you got up and said, I hope we stay together all day today. That's so, you know, in the relationship. And that was all you ever said to each other. It's not a very intimate relationship. So I tell people, you know, if you really want an intimate relationship with your higher power, you've got to sit. That's how it happens, this you know, and I realize, and, and the thing is, people, you know, meditation practice invites, invites us to do one of the simplest and yet most difficult tasks, and that's to sit still and be present. I know it's not easy, <laughs> you know what I mean? But it is so simple, and in this process is how you form intimacy with your true self. And that's, that's why I think meditation is so important and also to receive guidance. If, if you sit still, you know, you can receive guidance a lot easier than if you're running around distracted with everything. So it's, a, it's a very important. The 11th step, I really believe the first 10 steps prepare us completely for the 11th step. And then the 12th step is simply a summary of what just happened from doing that. It's like writing a book report when we're in school. Write a book report about what just happened, what you just read. Well, the 12th step is that, you know, having had a spiritual awakening. So uh, I really believe that the 11th step is the crux, the focus of the program. So it's it's why it's all I talk about. Well, it is really uh, essential. And, you know, some people, as you mentioned, they they don't think they don't know how to meditate. They think sometimes it has to be this very, very sophisticated uh, experience. Or, in just a simple way, what can somebody do that maybe they've never meditated, or they are afraid of it, or they think they have to pay somebody a whole lot of money to go learn how to do it? What's the simple ways anybody can get started? Okay, what I tell people I sponsor, men I sponsor all over the world, is 
the, the minute we start working the steps, I mean, we're not, I hadn't even given them their first step assignment yet, and I say, what do you do for the 11th step? A lot of them don't do anything. So what I ask them to do, and I say, we'll get to the 11th step as we go through the steps. Right now, I want you to get up in the morning, set a timer so you don't have to worry about it, and just sit for 10 minutes. Start off with 10 minutes, and anyone can do that. You know, I don't care how busy you are. You can, you know, and the funny thing is, as Anna knows, the busier we are, the more important it is to, to meditate. That's the paradox. But um, anyway, I just say sit for 10 minutes and just, you're going to have thoughts. It's okay. The ocean has waves. It's a natural thing. The mind has thoughts. That's okay. But just don't attach to them. Sit and focus on your breath. Feel your in-breath go in through your nostrils. You might feel it in your chest then, in your belly, and then let it come out. You feel maybe it go through your come the, the coolness on your upper lip as you exhale. Just sit and be mindful of your breath. Breathe normally. No, just In other words, breathing is something we don't even think about. It just happens to us all day long with no conscious thought. So to begin meditation practice, just consciously think of your breathing, you know, and you will drift away from that. You will all of a sudden be lost in your thoughts again, and you'll be on it following your thought train, and you'll go, and when that happens, you just go, okay, thinking, 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 and just return to your breath. We don't beat ourselves up. We might have a thousand thoughts, and we might return a thousand times to our breath, but that's the practice. We just do it again and again. And it's not for us to try to figure out what's happening, but let me tell you, the doorway to enlightenment is not having to sit in a cave for 30 years. The doorway to enlightenment is being present, being in the moment. That's where it happens. You know, that's where God lives. When we tra- God is only in the moment, you know, and when we are stressed about something or we're projecting to next Friday how what's going to happen at my dentist appointment or what's going to happen in court, when we're going out there, that's fine if you want to go there, but you're there all by yourself. And that's another reason it's stressful, because God only lives in the moment. So you just keep returning to the present moment, because that's, that's where life is. You know, that's, that's life right here, right now. And so that's what, that's what the practice of meditation is. Just keep coming back to the moment. And pretty soon when you leave your meditation room, you'll find yourself walking across the living room to the kitchen maybe. And all of a sudden you're really present. You know, just feel the carpet on your feet and just, in other words, mindfulness is just paying attention to your life being uh, aware of what you're doing while you're doing it. That's what, that's, this is what meditation is. It's so simple. That's perf- really uh, uh, an invitation to a deep faith. That takes a lot of courage, doesn't it, to be present in the moment? It does for me. Yes, it does. I want to worry. It really, it, it really <laughs> is. Yeah, yeah, I want to worry. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what happens. I mean, I'm telling you, that's all it is. You know, when we're worrying and stressed, check it out. You're not in the moment. I'll guarantee it. Yeah, it's, it's, almost, it's like a, 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 in a very ineffective attempt to control the outcome it's so it takes to worry so it takes a lot of faith it doesn't exactly 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 tom our program is is almost coming to a close here but would you share with us a couple of things that really bring you the most joy as you learn to be present in the moment well, I well. First of all, that opens up a whole thing. When you're when you're really present in the moment, everything brings you joy. I'm just going to tell you that. You know, I'm, when you move through your day and are aware of what you're doing, everything you do is like doing yoga. It really is. Walking to the car can be like doing yoga postures. Washing the dishes can be as beautiful as making love. It just. I know this sounds weird, but. Think of all the things people love to do. They love to surf. They love to ski. That's because when they drop down the mountain or into a wave, they're in the moment for a minute. They love 
making love because, you know, at that moment of orgasm, you're in the moment, you know. But So it, it turns out that all of life is sacred. All of life is sacred when you're present. It's just so beautiful, and it takes practice, and that's why they say practice. And what I love, Anna, is that it doesn't matter if someone's been meditating for 40-plus years like myself or if they just started. We all have thoughts. We all drift away from the present moment. We all have to mindfully bring ourselves back, and, and the technique is that easy. I've been initiated in trying to get out of the body, you know, and, you know, I've, I've left my body before. Mindfulness is just, it, that's another type of meditation, leave the body, astral travel. Well, guess what? This is about being totally in the body. That's mm-hmm. how different it is. This is about being right here, right now, in my body. And that's why, look at, I, I don't say everybody has to get up as early as I do, but I, I start my meditation between 3 a.m. and 4 a.m. If I sleep till 5 a.m., it's like sleeping to noon. Now, I know not everybody's going to do that, but that's, I don't need as much sleep anymore. I'm, I go to bed, and I'm telling you. I'm, Thank you, Tom. We're gonna, our, okay. Unfortunately, our time is up here. But we're going to have you back Thank again you. on Spirit of Recovery. And I want to thank, thank you. you so much. My guest is Tom Catton. Thank you, Tom, for sharing about how you do love life to the fullest. And Tom is the author of The Mindful Addict, a memoir of the awakening of a spirit. We've been blessed to have you on here, Tom. And thank you so much for all your service and all you share. Have a wonderful Aloha. week. Thank and you. we'll be back with you all next week on Spirit of Recovery. Thank you for tuning in to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Pacific for down-to-earth ideas on keeping spirituality in the heart of your recovery. Spirit of Recovery, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at www.soulmatters-spiritworks.org. Spirit of Recovery is the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth. Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., interviews down-to-earth guests who share with you how they keep going and growing in recovery. Spirit of Recovery is the place to get practical tips and to join in lively discussions on topics that matter to recovering people. This program welcomes everyone who wants to know more about recovery. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Pacific on Spirit of Recovery, where we talk about what keeps you growing only on Unity FM. The voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. We invite you to consider these words from Unity author Charles Roth. Live deeply in the present moment. If you are going to work on the premise that real energy, real excitement, that feeling of being fully and enthusiastically alive comes from a source within you, then it follows that you have to spend some time getting acquainted, being at home in those far reaches of inner space. Peace is power, for out of stillness, strength is born, and out of inner harmony, productivity flourishes. Rest in that inner peace. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Are you ready to take a quantum leap into greater self-acceptance and love and freedom from suffering by connecting all your parts, especially those you deem broken? 
If so, join Mark Anthony Lord, founder and spiritual director of the Bodhi Spiritual Center in Chicago, every Monday at 1 p.m. Central, as he helps you understand there's nothing wrong with you. You are perfect just the way you are. This show is for you, so you can know you're not alone, and that you really matter, and that miracles are right here within you and all around you. From this knowing, anything and everything becomes possible. Each week, Mark will be joined by amazing guests who share their journeys of awakening. Listen live on Mondays at 1 p.m. Central, or download the podcast at your convenience, or subscribe via iTunes to Nothing Broken Here with Mark Anthony Lord, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We talk to the animals, and we know you can too. On the Animal Communication Podcast, hosted by the three of us, myself, Julie Heert, Aaron Debbie Smith, and Meredith Tolleson, we will show you how to deepen your relationship with your beloved animal companions, whether they're alive or in spirit. As soul-level animal communicators, we explain the process and explore topics such as health, behavior, and play, all from the animal's perspective. So subscribe and follow us on Apple, Spotify, and listen as part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.